turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to be concluding our emphasis on prayer, our sermon series, the 40 days of prayer. We have one more week in which to complete that. And so if you're using your your devotional books, your uh, resources that we gave you, continue to do that for the remainder of this week. Those of you who are using the app, keep doing that for the remainder of this week. And that will close out next Sunday. Uh, But then going forward, we will be talking about some different things. Uh, But during this time, we wanted to be talking about prayer. So today, we're going to finalize this and wrap it up a bit in Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 9 through 13. It says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together, together as the body of Christ and to look to your word and to learn from it. I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively today. And I pray for the hearers today that they will hear in their spirit and with their spirit the word of the Lord and then to activate this word in their lives so that they can be victorious in every situation. We ask it in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about a variety of things. We talked about worship and praise as being a part of our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Holy, set apart is your name. We talked about God's purposes for our lives. We talked about our daily provision. We've talked about the need for pardon and forgiveness of our sins. All of us need to be forgiven of our sins. All of us need to be saved, amen, and delivered from our sin. And we've talked about last week, Pastor John did an excellent job talking about our need to not only forgive others, but to intercede on their behalf. One of the most difficult things to do, I will grant you, is to pray for the good of someone who's brought harm to your life, someone who has done something to you or said something to you, Uh, that is difficult to deal with. And yet, the the Scripture tells us that we should want them to be blessed even as God wants to bless them. And the reality of that is that the change that we're looking for has to happen in us before we can do something like that. But I'm glad to tell you today that God can help us change to the point where the ones that that we would have liked to have seen Uh, the devil do damage to that we can now pray for them and intercede for them and bless them with the blessings of Christ. So we talked about that. Now today, we're going to talk about a different subject in verse 13. It says, it tells us two things. First of all, we are to pray, lead us not into temptation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today because just a couple of weeks ago, we have a, had a guest speaker, David Hagee, who uh, talked about this idea of temptation and did an excellent job with that. But, but I do want to say this to you about temptation. It, 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 temptation more is our problem than it is the devil doing something to us. 
There are times that we just let our flesh get completely out of control. And we seek after and go after the things that will bring this, this pleasure that we think. The, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And that's the reason we seek after these things. But we must be very careful that we do not put ourselves in a position to be tempted from the things that are not from God, but instead are from the evil one. So as we think about this idea of temptation, then it becomes our responsibility to ask the Lord to help us to steer clear from temptation, but then it becomes our responsibility to actually do that and to steer clear of the temptation. So he says, lead us not into temptation, but then he goes on to say, deliver us from evil. Now in some translations of the Bible, it says, lead us, deliver us from the evil one. It doesn't just say deliver us from evil, but it says deliver us from the evil one. Now how many of you know that all evil comes from the same place? It comes from Satan, the devil. And I know we don't like to talk about the devil much, but we need to realize and understand that the devil is real. Satan is real. And he's out to get you and he's out to get me. And so we must be delivered from him. But I'm glad to know that the great deliverer, Jesus Christ, can deliver us from the devil. Aren't you glad for that today? So we're going to talk about five spiritual realities that we have to deal with when we are uh, living on this earth. And the first reality is simply this, that our fight, the warfare that we are in is spiritual. It is something that takes place, if you will, in the unseen realm. You know, sometimes we like to make our fight natural. We want to fight with the people around us, or we want to fight with our finances, or we want to fight with our health, or we want to fight against our body image, or we want to fight against our spouse, or we want to fight against the neighbor, and we want to make our battle this, this natural thing. But our battles are not natural, they are spiritual. Now, they may manifest in some form in the natural realm, but the reality is that they can all be overcome in the spiritual realm and by the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So this is a spiritual warfare. And when you're fighting natural battles, you need to look beyond what you see with your eyes and the natural manifestation of what's happening in your life and understand that the one who is bringing that into your life is spiritual. The enemy wants to see you fail. The enemy wants to see you defeated. The, the enemy does not want you to succeed in any way, shape, or form. And so you must realize that when you are struggling and when you are, going, uh, that you, when you are having difficulty 
in your life, the source of that is the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. So he, he is fighting against us. <clears throat> now here's the mistake that we make. The devil may come to your spouse and get your spouse irritated about something. And so they're not acting in the spirit or walking in the spirit. And so you get upset and aggravated with them. And you take out your frustration against your spouse. And so you say things to them that are not helpful at all because you're now waging a war in the natural realm rather than in the spiritual realm. And the better way to attack that would be to say, I know the enemy of my spouse's soul is wanting them to fail and wanting them to act this way and wanting them to act and live in this manner. I love them very much. I want their success. And so rather than fighting against them or fighting with them, I'm going to pray for them that the, that the Savior will deliver them from this stronghold that the enemy has upon their lives. The, the truth is, is we're very selfish individuals. And we care most of the time more about ourselves than we do those who are around us. And we'd rather see our, our blessings come than for their blessings to come. And we, we, we don't realize that if they're blessed, we're blessed too. If God's pouring out his great blessings upon them, then just guess what? I mean, blessings are going to come to us as well. I'd much rather have a loving environment in my home than to have a fighting or, 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 a, or a, you know, just frustrating environment where every day, you know, you don't know, you don't know what it's, it's like standing on a time, time ticking bomb and it's going to explode at any moment. You don't have to live that way. You can live in the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can pray for them that God will bless them abundantly and that blessing will overflow to you. So the first thing we must understand that it is that our fight is spiritual. Now I'm going to say something that you might not like. You don't want to hear this. But I believe this to be true, but we have to understand that when the enemy brings natural things against us, he is trying to steal our spirituality. For instance, have you ever gotten a bad report from your physician, from your doctor? Maybe you went to your doctor and your doctor said, well, you have cancer or you have diabetes or you have kidney disease or you have this, that or the other. And immediately, our natural mindset is to begin thinking in negative terms of what our life now might look like with this diagnosis. And so we allow this diagnosis to determine how we're going to live. Well, the doctor said, I had cancer, so that means probably I'm going to die. But we don't stop to think about the fact that most cancers are not going to take our lives. Most cancers can be treated very effectively these days, and people who have certain types of cancer can survive at an amazing rate these days. But we don't stop to think about those kinds of things. We don't stop to think about the fact that our Savior is also our healer. And by His stripes, we are healed. And we can be healed in Jesus' name. 
And so we begin to think in terms of what God can do rather than what the doctors say is probably going to happen. And so what I'm telling you is, is that if we fight the battle in the natural, then we'll try to weigh out all the symptoms of this sickness and disease and how bad it's going to get. But if we're spiritual, we'll say, well, if the Lord allowed this, he didn't put it on you. He did not make you have it. He did not place disease upon you. But God can use every situation to build faith in us. And so our attempt and our path should be, if I'm in this situation, then God is going to help me and bring deliverance and give me strength uh, through the stripes that Jesus Christ bore upon my back. So we can be victorious even when we're walking in sickness and disease. You say, well, the reason I'm so frustrated, the reason that I'm so discouraged, the reason that I'm so despondent, the reason that I'm so depressed is because I've been told about this disease. But let me tell you, you have a God that is greater than that disease. And rather than giving in to that disease, you've got to learn how to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. By your stripes I am healed, Lord. And I can go through this and I can make this in Jesus' name. I remember back a few years when Joe Russ had cancer. And I remember when he first started that journey, he's saying, Pastor, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to beat this thing. I know I can beat this thing. The Lord's going to help me. And here he sits here today. Ain't any better looking than he's ever been. But he is free of cancer today because he decided, I'm going to live with the promises of God in mind. There are others of you that I know right now. You're suffering with the same disease. Nobody knows it except for maybe you and me. But you're being treated privately. Not a whole lot of people know what you're going through. Because the reason is when you step into the room, you brighten the room with your positive attitude. You brighten the room with your faith. And every time I ask you about how you're feeling, I... Man, I can't tell much difference at all. God's helping me. God has strengthened me. God has allowed me to have the energy and the strength that I need to do the things that I need to do. God is on my side. Let me tell you, the devil hates it when people of God start praising the Lord in the middle of their difficulties and their darkness. He hates it when he knows that you have a disease uh, and you're still grateful to God for the many blessings that you have. Let me tell you, this thing is spiritual. It's not natural. The devil cannot control your spirit. Only you can. And you do so by activating faith in your life. So first of all, our fight is spiritual. Secondly, Satan is stirred up. The devil's mad. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. But if you live in this world, it doesn't take us long to understand that the devil's upset. The devil's mad because he feels like that he is losing the battle, and he is. But he's trying to do as much damage as he possibly can during the time that God is allowing him to have some authority in this earth. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how mad the devil gets, he can't overpower us. 
The devil can get as mad as he wants to get, but he'll just have to do like my mama used to say. You can get mad or glad the same way you got mad. You just turn it upside down, that smile. First Peter 5 and 8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now I want to go back to an earlier thought that I had. We blame the devil for everything. Well, it was the devil. The devil did this. The devil did that. Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. How many of you remember that? Devil doesn't make you do anything. The devil can't control you. He can, he can suggest to you some things that you ought to do, but the devil can't make you do anything. You know, a few weeks ago, we had this HVAC system go bad back here, and I, I heard a few people, and I knew, what, I knew your heart. I knew what you, well, the devil just won't leave us alone. The devil did this, and the devil did that. It's the devil. It's the devil. It wasn't the devil. It was a 30-year-old heating unit that finally decided, I've done this all I want to do. I don't want to do it anymore. The devil wasn't standing out there by that unit saying, I curse you, I curse you, I curse you. He wasn't doing any of that. Life just did life. 30 years and it finally decided to quit. But you know what? The devil might have thought, well, I've got this thing broken now or this thing is broken. I'm going to use this to depress people. I'm going to use this to discourage people. I'm going to use this to to, to cause people to feel like all the bad stuff always happens to me. Where's Larry Gatlin when you need him? All the gold in California. How many of you remember that one? He's never around when you need all that gold. The devil can come and he can depress you and he can discourage you and he can cause you to feel like, oh, we're on a sinking ship. But, you know, there was, there was maybe a time when I would have let something like that just get to me and just irritate me and frustrate me and discourage me. But now when Erlene comes in and tells me this, that, or the other, I just say, well, it's a good opportunity for God to show up and be God. Amen. I don't know how he'll do it. I don't know when he'll do it. But I do know this. He's done it for all these years, and he's not going to quit now. God's not going to let us sink uh, when he has a sea of blessings that he wants us to swim in. And so what I'm trying to say to you today is, is that when things start going south in your life, you have a choice that you can make. You can either say, oh, I'm down, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, I I don't know if I'm ever going to make it, or I love this one. Well, here we go again. I don't know if you've ever said that or felt that or not. Listen, just go ahead and pick that one and say, devil, here we go again. You've tried to defeat me before and you weren't able to do it. You've tried to discourage me before and you couldn't do it. You've tried to get me to turn back in my relationship with the Lord, but you couldn't do it. Here we go again. I'm going to prove to you one more time that I am committed to my Savior and my Deliverer and by faith I can make it uh, through any situation that comes my way. We've got to understand, it doesn't matter how mad Satan gets. This is the third point, that God has already won the war. He's already won the war. 
I mean, it, it's over. Now, listen, I know we're Kentucky people, and we love, we love basketball, and we love football, and we love baseball, and we love girls' uh, basketball, and we love all those things. But let me tell you something. I don't care how much you love the Wildcats. I don't care how much you love the Cardinals. And I'll get emails from some of you about why I said Wildcats before I said Cardinals. So, so let me just go ahead and fix that. And you may love the Cardinals and you love Wildcats. But listen, every time they put, get on a, a field, a football field, or on a basketball court, I don't care how good they are. They can be beaten. How many of you know that? I mean, when we looked at the Final Four this year, there weren't any Kentucky teams there. You know what I'm saying? They just weren't there. And so we had to watch a, a championship game with no one from Kentucky there. But every time they step onto the court, they can be beat. Either team, all teams, any team. Because if they make a few errors, if they have a few turnovers, if they're not shooting the ball as, as well as they typically can, Anybody can beat them at any time. They're beatable. But I just want you to know, just because that's true in the natural realm, does not mean that it's true in the spiritual realm. You cannot be defeated because God is on your side. He said, well, can you prove that to me scripturally? Thank you, I will. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, despite all these things, all what things? Everything. Despite it all, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Don't you love that? It doesn't say overwhelming victory could be ours. You could go down to Value Market and pick you up a sack full of victory if you want to. You could go down to Kroger and get you a bag of it. Listen, victory is already ours. Because of the one who has already fought the battle and has already won. I'm thankful today to know that even though we have to play the game out, that when the game is over, you and I are going to be winners because overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. We're victorious. And we used to sing an old song in the church, Victory Today is Mine. How many of you remember that? Victory, victory, victory is mine. I've had it in my soul since Jesus made me whole. Victory, victory, victory is mine. The victory today is mine. How many of you remember that? Some of you just need to start singing that every day until you get your breakthrough. Every day when you wake up and the devil tries to remind you that you can't win today, you can't overcome today, you're going to fail today just like you did yesterday, you're going to fall short of the glory of God today just like you did yesterday, you need to just crank it up and say, victory, victory, victory is mine, I've had it in my soul, and just sing it to him. Let him know. You say whatever you want to, devil. I'm here to tell you the one that I'm serving today is an overcomer. And because he is an overcomer, I am an overcomer as well. God has already won the war. You see, that's the reason. You say, well, if God has already won the war, why does he let the battle play out? Well, he lets the, the battle play out. Because it is not yet time 
for eternal judgment to be given. He will. He's a righteous judge. Let me tell you, there's going to come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. He's going to pass judgment one of these days. But until then, he allows the enemy to come against the people of this earth and some succumb to the temptation and never serve the Lord, but others like us choose to follow Christ and to allow him to bring victory to us. You know what the devil's after right now? You said, if the devil knows he cannot win, why does he even play? Here's the reason. Collateral damage is his goal. He, does, he knows that he can't defeat you if you won't let him. He already knows that. But he wants to scar you up. And he wants to make you so afraid to get up in the mornings because of what you might face. He wants you to be so afraid that your marriage is going to fall apart. He wants you to be so afraid that somebody's going to kidnap your child. He wants you to be so afraid that somebody's going to rob you. He wants you to be so afraid that you're going to have an accident in your car. He wants you to be so afraid that someone will not love you. He wants you to walk in fear. But let me remind you today that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of sound mind. Listen, I've got a few scars. I've got a few scars that I carry. There have been a few times that people have hurt me. They've said things to me that I didn't appreciate and that I didn't like. There, There have been a few times that before I would step out, To walk in the anointing that God has given me that I would think about those things that people would say. I've heard a lot better preachers than you before, Pastor. I've this and I've that. You know, I've heard it. And you have to. I'm not trying to set myself apart. But I'm trying to say I've heard just about everything that you can hear. And if I'm not careful, I will allow those man-made scars to prevent me from operating in the anointing that God has given me. But I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter what anyone has said or done. It doesn't matter if they came or if they left. It doesn't matter as long as I'm standing in the will of God, under the anointing of God. There's nothing that I cannot do because God is on my side. Amen. He's already won. Fourthly, God provides the uniform. Now I know that some of you have already been making plans about what you're going to wear Easter. You're going to wear this and wear that, or I'm not wearing this, or I'm not. I listen, God doesn't give a rip what you wear. And I only do to the extent that I would like for you to be covered up. Wear something. I'm going to wear a suit and tie, but you may not want to do that. I'm going to do it just because if I went to your wedding, I'd wear one. Or if I went to your funeral, I'd wear one. And I feel like I want to at least give God the best that I have to offer. If you don't want to wear that, don't wear that. God doesn't care what you wear. God cares about your heart. God cares about the kind of heart that you're wearing. But let me tell you something. When it comes to spiritual warfare, there is a particular uniform that you must wear if you're going to be victorious. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17 says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I like that. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, anything less than that, and you're going to be defeated. But if you get dressed every day in the spiritual armor and with the spirit spiritual weapons that God has given you, let me tell you, there's no way that you can go down to defeat because God has given you the armor to fight this spiritual battle if you'll just do it. My, my, my grandson, Ben, and I spent a little time together Friday. He, he was helping me throw some mulch in, in, in the flower beds and all that. And during the time together, he's talking about football season won't be long and and he said, I had to get some new pads and I had to get a new helmet. He said, my, my head's too big for the helmets that they had. And I, you know, I was kind of trying to, you know, well, why is your head so big kind of thing? You know, you got a big noggin like your grandpa. It's really the bottom line way. He said, they had to order me and this other kid this bigger helmet because the helmet wasn't big enough to go on. And so he, they had to have a new helmet. And then he, then he was telling me about the pads. He said, the pads, I had to have a new set of pads because I've grown so much this year. I'm bigger than I was. I'm, I've got more muscles than he's. I'm not sure how tall he is, but I think he's about 235 pounds, and he's bigger than me, and he can whip me. I, I'm just going to tell you that right now. I'm not going to fight him. I'm not going to argue with him because he can take me at this point in his life. I can run faster than he can, I think. But at any rate, he's talking about all these pads and the helmets and all that kind of stuff. And here's the bottom line. They know that if these kids are going to get on the football field, they have to be dressed appropriately. They can't get on the field unless they have pads in the areas of their body where they could get injured and, and, and have a problem. And so they provide all these pads. Now, Ben went to school and said, listen, I am tough. I am, I am out of this world amazingly tough. And I don't need your uniform. I don't need the pads. I don't need the shoulder pads. I don't need the helmet. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to play just like I am. Number one, with all the legal lawsuits that there are on these days, they'd never, never let him on. But even if they would, he'd be an absolute fool to try to play a full contact game with no pads on. And so he pads up. He, he puts his uniform on every time that he goes onto the field. Listen, some of us are just absolutely foolish because we will not put the armor of God upon that he has provided for us. Well, I can handle this one my own. I don't need God to help me with this. I think I can handle this myself. I'm just going to give two or three people a piece of my mind and it'll all be over just like that. I'm going to smack somebody right between the eyes and this thing will be done right now. I can handle 
handle this thing. I can pay that bill. I'm just going to run down and rob the bank, bring the money home, put it in my bank, and then I'm going to pay the bill. I can handle this on, on my own. You say, Pastor, you're just being foolish talking about all that kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you this. If you know, knew what I know, then you'd say, I'm not being foolish at all. You'd be surprised. Some of the things that people do because they want to try it before they ask God to get involved with it. Let me tell you, the best way for you to go is to ask the Lord to be with you from start to finish, from the morning to the evening, from start to finish. God, I want you on my side. I cannot fight this battle without you. I'm thankful to know today that you will give me everything that I need to put on so that I can be victorious. And then finally this morning, musicians, come if you will. You see, this all sounds very spiritual. It all sounds very difficult at times. When you start thinking about putting on the spiritual armor of the Lord, you start thinking, where do I get that? Can I buy that at Walmart? Can, can, can I get that at Target? Where, where do I get these things in order to put them on? Let me tell you, every resource that you need and that God has promised you will come to you through prayer. That, that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Prayer. I remember telling a lady years ago, she'd call me almost every day. Pray for me today, Pastor. Pray for me. I'd pray with her. She'd call me today and say, pray for me, Pastor. I can't make it if you don't pray for me. I'd pray for her. She'd come to church. She'd be one of the first ones up to the altar. Pray for me today, Pastor. I'm fighting the same battle. Pray for me. I'd pray for her. Finally, one day I said, listen, I don't mind praying for you, but there's going to come a time in your life when I'm not around and I won't be available. And what I'd rather do is I'd rather teach you how to pray. I'd rather share with you the secrets of prayer so that whether I'm there or not, you can call out to God wherever you are. And know that he's there. And that he will listen to you. Some of you think you've got to have the pastor lay hands on you. Say, Pastor, I'm going to go in a tooth field next week. I need you to show up at the dentist and pray for me before I, they start drilling on me. Listen, I don't like dentists myself. I don't know if I'm going to come pray for you at the dentist office while you've got a cavity in your tooth. But you know what you can do? You can lay your hands on yourself and pray. Now, pastor's not me and mean today. I love you. I pray for you all the time. If you're in an emergency situation and you need me, you call. I'll be there. You ask some of the ones that have been in the emergency rooms, and I've left my dinner in order to come be in the emergency room with you. It's not about any of that. I, I'm not bothered by you. But what I am trying to say to you today is, is that you need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to activate prayer in your life so that no matter where you are and what you're going through, you will know how to pray. So prayer is the pathway to victory. That's the last point today. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 
pray in the Spirit. You say, no, explain that to me. Does that mean I have to pray in tongues? Because I'm not blessed with the prayer language. I haven't, haven't received that. Well, first of all, let me tell you, if you have not yet received your prayer language through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, you ought to be seeking for that. It will make a huge difference in your life. Because the Bible says that there are times that you'll pray and you don't know how to pray as you ought. And in that moment, the Spirit of God will flood over you and you'll begin to pray in a language that you did not learn, but that was given to you by the Holy Spirit. And you will be able to pray in the Spirit things that you don't know how to pray with your mind. So that's a different message for a different day. But those of you who are filled with the Spirit and you do have a prayer language, there are times that you need to just say, Lord, I don't know how to pray about this anymore. I've prayed until I'm blue in the face. I've prayed until I just can't seem to get through. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And Lord, right now, I'm just going to let you pray through me because I know that you know the perfect will of God and that you will pray what needs to take place and you will cause breakthrough to take place as I allow you to pray through my mouth and through my tongue. For those of you who have not yet received that prayer language and that spirit in filling, let me tell you, you can still pray in the spirit. I know how to pray in the spirit of this word. In other words, I know what God has said about a given situation. And so I know, I know how to pray the spirit about that situation. What is God trying to say to me through his word? What is God trying to say to me in this passage of Scripture? Every passage of Scripture that has ever been given to us, there are two things about it you need to understand. Number one, there's only one interpretation. And the interpretation is whatever God wanted to be said by that writer in that moment. And so whatever God, that's how we got the Word of God. The Scripture says the Spirit of God moved upon men as they wrote the Scripture so that they could say what needs to be said to mankind. And so as God moved upon Moses, as God moved upon Paul, as God moved upon Peter to write the Word of God, they were writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to say what you and I need to hear. And there's only one interpretation. And it is God's interpretation. So if you go trying to change the Word of God, well, I'm going to get myself in trouble here right now. That's what's happening in our world in America right now. We've got politicians who are saying, I'm a Christian, I'm as good a Christian as you are, but they don't know diddly flip about what the Word of God has to say about how we're supposed to live life. That was free, it didn't cost you a thing, and I'm not going any further than that. But if we start trying to change the meaning of the Word of God, then we cannot accept the fullness of the blessing that God has intended for us. So there's one interpretation. But there are multiple applications. In other words, I can take that and apply that to my situation and my circumstance, it may be very different from your circumstance. You may be dealing with something 
that is very different than I'm dealing with, but you're still able to say the Word of God says, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I'm going to apply that to myself. I'm going to walk today as if I know that God is greater than me than the thing that I'm that I'm fighting against. So the application for you is God is greater than my stuff. And the application may be different It may be a different situation, but the Word of God applied is the same. So there's one interpretation. There are multiple applications. But here's the bottom line. If you're going to have victory, you've got to learn how to pray. Because if you don't know how to pray, then you can't call in the blessings that God has in store for you. Will you stand with me this morning?